0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. I'm Dane, the radiator head, because it is summer and it is hot. It's starting to get hot. We have a hot recording space uh, in the temperature and sexy sense. (laughs) Um, Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games where we discuss our favorite hobbies, share our thoughts with you, and even play some games sometimes. Uh, Dane, what are we talking about today what's this episode about
1: this episode's gonna be about uh difficulty and balancing Mm -hmm. uh so talking about different ways to organize campaigns with regards to the difficulty of enemies that you face or encounters and you know how to balance those
0: Mm -hmm. uh this is this is a fairly conceptual idea it's not as it's not as cut and dry as the last like the tips and tricks series that you just listened to if you're a faithful listener about prep and like the different levels of prep. This this is definitely kind of a part of that series, but it's a little less specific and maybe a little less actionable. We're just gonna be talking about some different ideas mainly. Yeah, it's just stuff to think about. Yeah, examples and and, and different ways to do it, I guess. Right, so like we're gonna talk about like
1: Skyrim Skyrim has a level uh, scaling system mm-hmm. that uh, is worth mentioning.
0: A style of difficulty design. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, uh, World of Warcraft, uh, they, they do it a little bit differently there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and Darkest Dungeon, because if you're talking about uh, role playing games, you could always talk about Darkest Dungeon. Mm-hmm. And then West Marches, uh, which is a term that you may or may not know, but mm-hmm. it is. Um,
0: out there in the space, so yeah. I feel like we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's a, another style of organizing a campaign, and we're going to talk about difficulty. So yeah, we're going to talk about these three video game examples of how difficulty is applied and how balancing is implemented, and we're going to talk about how they apply to a pen and paper role-playing game and your pen and paper campaign, and then we're going to talk about an example and different ways these different ideas could fit into it. So, with the with the first thing, why don't why don't you start off telling telling us tell us tell okay, us so about Skyrim? If you've never played
1: Skyrim before or any Elder Scrolls game, I guess for that matter, uh, well, one you're missing out. Then
0: you've lived, beneath a rock.
1: Yes, um, but where so Skyrim and Elder Scrolls to some degree, uh, they they have a system where. Your character starts at level one, and everything in the world is accessible, and then as you level up, things level up with you, they get harder. Uh, You know, enemies start wearing better armor, have better weapons, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's how you get better weapons and armor and equipment Mm -hmm. as well Is you know, once you hit level nine. You get the stuff from them. Once you hit level nine, oh, the the new swords drop. Yeah. You know, wake up, honey. New sword, dropped. New
0: sword just dropped. Um, and so there is like there are always enemies that are like easier and harder. Like there's there's such a thing as a hard enemy. Yeah. No matter what. and But it's always, mm. the way the level scaling is designed, it's always designed to be, you know, a little bit tougher than you are. That's a hard enemy. An easy enemy, no matter what your level is.
1: Like, like you're probably not going to yeah, die to it.
0: They're going to get stronger as you get stronger, but they're Balance to always be easy for what you are.
1: Like once you start one, one, uh, one shot in mud crabs, that never goes away. You can always one shot a mud crab. Um, but like you know, the dragon at that at that peak, it might be an ancient dragon now,
0: and it's going to be much harder than just a regular stupid dragon. Yeah. So. This is um if you play Dungeons and Dragons is fairly familiar. Uh it's it's a fairly flat level challenge. It's mm. it's not like there's there's not enormous spikes of difficulty. And I'm I'm trying to remember my time with Skyrim cuz I've played a lot of it but not recently. I think you've played more recently than yeah. me. Um I don't remember there ever being any like major difficulty spikes. So as it as it like applies to the pen and paper space the skyrim model is similar to you know strictly sticking to the challenge rating system in dungeons and dragons and delivering like legal balanced encounters for your players as they level up the challenge rating is going to go up but it's all going to be balanced to your players levels
1: well it can be if, yeah. if that's the type of game master you have or are um But like, if you're you know making a whole campaign, right? Like that's where this you know whole episode kind of started was thinking about prepping for a campaign, right? Like you know there's there's a world in which like the game master is like, okay, here's like the whole map, bam, and like you know maybe they're just using the Forgotten Realms and you're gonna decide what goes where. Mm -hmm. You're gonna put everything where it belongs and just let the players explore in like the sandbox you built right so like oh you start in Baldur's Gate and that's all balanced and scaled towards your like low level characters and then like the story missions are going to take you out of Baldur's Gate and that's where the hard stuff is but if your players are like you know what fuck whatever we're doing in Baldur's Gate let's go exploring you don't necessarily have to change what you planned they could run into a, a big enemy that really fucks them up right off the bat, if that's how you wanted to, you know. Yeah. Structure your campaign, but like the the Skyrim thing is good because it's always uh,
0: fair-ish, or you know, yeah, like around it's, that it's point. designed to always be mm-hmm. like level and. Um. Well, so yeah, like in D&D terms, it it'd be a legal encounter, which you know, I've never I've never gotten granular. Does
1: D&D use legal? Is that yeah. a legal term in D&D? Is yeah,
0: like uh, you know, an encounter that according to the the rules as stated in the Dungeon Master's Guide and the challenge rating of the monsters and the um what is it? The like daily XP or the whatever. like budget, the yeah, XP the, the XP budget. There is there there's there's such a thing as like a legal encounter where you know you challenge your players as much as you possibly can while staying under a set number. And you think anyone ever calls like their game master out? And be like, that's an illegal encounter. I don't. I'm think, calling the police on you. I mean, I'm sure yes, because <laughs> like I know, but I the the reason I know that is from listening to people like Matt Colville, who's played for a long time and, you know, mostly in reference to older editions. And I don't think, I I think just like the the culture of role-playing games has gone away from that pretty heavily. Nowadays, people are much more focused on, you know, character driven story adventures and, you know, such and such like that. But I know it used to be a big deal whether or not an encounter was legal and that was a way that you could kind of like check the DM's ultimate power and be like well you're just screwing with us <laughs> and they could be like no I followed the you know this is like the rules this is the math that it's legal. says it's a legal encounter <laughs> um, and that also has to do with like a style of play a tournament style of play yeah, playing at like conventions and that's where I figure it would come in everything having to come from you know Everything having to adhere to a you know, a universal standardized rule set so that you could go into a dungeon with your character and what whatever you gained from that as far as like experience and magic items, it was legal and you could carry it over to any other game. And I feel like that's just very much not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. It's never been a thing for us. I've never played with another dungeon master who cared enough to adhere to that. But That's what it is. And I would say you probably don't have to be super anal and granular to implement this sort of like flat challenge Skyrim style for your Mm -hmm. campaign. Uh, But that's what we're talking about today. This is a style of difficulty balancing that you can implement if you choose to. Uh, And yeah, I would say it definitely has some merits.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing I don't I enjoy and I don't enjoy about at least in Skyrim about the flat
0: difficulty structure
1: well, once like you get out of like the woods where in the woods as I call them or like uh probably up to like level 10 or 12 ish in Skyrim because like when you're that low and new into the game you don't necessarily have all the good stuff you want and so like everything's pretty dangerous Like, even though it's still, like, leveled and you can deal with it, but, like, you might accidentally, you know, run into a big bandit camp and just totally fuck up and be like, I'm going to charge in there with my sword. And then, like, you know, everybody's... There's three people shooting you with arrows, and they're like, the bandit leader's got a big fucking warhammer that crushes you. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, died. Next time, you know, let's skirt around and, you know, take out some of these archers before we go charging in there. But once you get kind of set up in the game and you get your good gear and like your skills are you know leveled nicely it's kind of hard to find a good challenge again like occasionally like oh you run in and you're just not watching your health bar and you're like oops should have used a potion i have a thousand of them that would have helped me win that fight that's what i'm going to do next time there's no change of strategy it's just like i'm going to use two of my 50 potions Mm -hmm. big deal easy easy fight so that's what I like and don't like is you, it's it's a lot easier to um remove the threat of always, you know, of dying. Yeah.
0: It it seems like to me and I've I've run D&D to a limited degree and I've only engaged with the like the XP and the CR of monsters on uh I would say like
1: intermediate
0: level i guess maybe like it, it seems like so D has kind of a different problem but this is good because we're talking about the pros and cons of this idea so in skyrim you get to you get to a point where the flat difficulty falls just like a little below your good gear and your um you know uh then the good perks and and, and the skill levels and that you the, achieve.
1: And the stuff you've acquired, like yeah. scrolls and potions and stuff.
0: Right. And in Dungeons & Dragons, what I see happen, when a reason that I don't actually... I don't like playing Dungeons & Dragons, running or playing, above, like, fifth level, is because their solution, the primary solution, is to just, like, increase hit points for the most part. They're the The higher level, the higher difficulty monsters. They do get more dangerous, as in they, you know, they deal more damage. They they have higher um, bonuses. Output. They have higher bonuses to hit, which means they hit more often, and they usually have more attacks. And yeah, their damage increases. So you know, they get more dangerous, but they also just start packing on the hit points, and the damage output of a player character. You know, it doesn't. Uh, what's what's that function Scale. on the graph? Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't increase. It it increases in little bumps based on level, and then it mostly stays flat. Um. So you know, the solution in Dungeons Dragons for this is to increase hit points which turns combat into a thing that just takes a lot longer in my experience and i don't love that so that i would say is a pretty hefty drawback of the the flat challenge this sort of like skyrim style level scaling if you do a strict you know challenge rating. And you enforce that to make sure that everything is always well balanced to your players. As they get stronger, you're just your combats are going to take a lot longer. And yeah, they're going to be correctly balanced, and they're going to be legal, or you know, they're gonna they're going to follow the rules for a balanced encounter in a way that is just going to make everything take longer. And yeah, they'll be fair, but will they be fun? Is my challenge? Will they be fun? And I'm sure there are people who just enjoy that style. So you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm talking to people who uh, they don't care about like my problem with it. Oh, they like they don't mind. Or we're maybe probably not talking to
1: anybody actually yeah, right I'm now.
0: <laughs> but uh, just kidding. We love you, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so everything roughly scales to the player fairly flat challenge level but I think there are drawbacks you know your players might get a magic item that makes it so like yeah everything is fair but they have this little edge so it's not actually Mm -hmm. challenging. That's that's one
1: thing that I think when you're exporting this to like a a tabletop um, it's real. if everything's like leveled to your players yeah it's really easy to just like accidentally like let them overloot and like oh well you know you beat the boss so here's this weapon and then like now you're way too overpowered mm-hmm. and then like then it, then it completely blows up like the, the challenge rating because then you're like well they are level five but they have this weapon or you know piece of armor so like a level five you know enemy one acceptable for like you know the challenge rating xp or whatever it's not gonna go it's not gonna have a chance so then like oh do i just bump it up to you know challenge rating you know four or whatever and then then oops too high kill all the players so
0: fuck yeah and i guess so like this turned out to be a fairly large tangent about about like challenge rating specifically in terms of D &D. and I, i will say that we can't really speak to how to do that properly that's that's something you're gonna have to dial in for yourself for the most part um it's it's difficult maths and kind of inscrutable maths at times it's not very fun i don't think I mean we know we've talked about it before. We're not a fan of the challenge rating. Yeah. Just uh, like conceptually, it's you know, there's lots of problems with it. And I've I've never I've never found anyone else on the internet doing this sort of like D&D or RPG talk, advice type stuff who's like, "Oh yeah, I religiously adhere to it and I use it as the tool. It is the thing that makes my game good." I've never heard that before. So maybe in the next couple years when they release that 5.5 D&D we'll see some sort of rework to the the challenge rating system. That might be interesting to see. Might make it more useful. I'm sure someone's thought of ways to do it. But anyway we can talk well, about some other stuff. Let's,
1: yeah, let's move on to the, the other another um, theory on balancing mm-hmm. uh which is, like, level gating, right? So World of Warcraft is our example here, um, just
0: because... There are others out there, yes. but,
1: yeah. Um, that's just the one that is most familiar to me because uh, it, like, you know, burnt into my brain. I always, like, would just run up against it um, just to fuck with it, and then, you know, I'd always die. Anyways, okay, so level, level gating, right? Uh, huge map sandbox type stuff but uh different levels or different areas have different level requirements or you know maybe challenge rating if you know we're talking D style so like inside Baldur's gate is you know challenge uh 0. 0.25 or whatever the lowest challenge rating is to like challenge rating two right and then like outside Baldur's gate is challenge rating five right so what that would be, like, if the players have to level up in Baldur's Gate before moving to the next area or risk totally getting annihilated, which is what World of Warcraft did, right? Oh, here's your starting zone. You do a bunch of quests here, you level up, then you can go to the big city. And, like, you could probably, you can make it to the big city right as, you know, in just skip the, the like, spawning area but then once you get to the big city going out from that like you're just going to be getting wrecked because they're leveled. The enemies are all leveled. And so like you can't do much damage and they just hit the shit out of you. Yeah. So, you could do that if you have the, you know, the RPG bug uh, as a game master and you create your whole plan for the campaign and be like all right, they start here and then we're, I'm going to take them to this spot or, you know, they could go to this spot because of a hot bounty or whatever. Um, you can do that mm-hmm. um, or like, you know, bury the lead of like, oh, yeah, the witch's um, the witch's castle. Right. Don't go to the witch's castle. You're going to get fucked up. And then, like of course, the players are going to be like, "Oh well, like okay. maybe we well, can." what happens if we go there? Maybe we can survive. Mm-hmm. And then they go there and they meet the first, you know, enemy. You know, a gargoyle comes down from the castle and kicks their ass. Yeah. And then they're like, "Okay, yeah, so like, if we run into two gargoyles, we're fucked. So let's wait."
0: I would so, say, um, so in that, if you're gonna if you're gonna use this sort of like level gating system uh the so the whole the whole concept of this episode is like the idea of difficulty and balancing and if you're going to do something like that where you're going to like adhere rigidly to areas where difficulty is set and it might be like a pretty huge spike from the area that they had to travel through to get to that place um it'd be worth considering some sort of mechanic to like get them out of there if you want to teach them cuz it's Players are notorious for looking at your warning signs and being like challenge accepted, I yeah. guess, kind of. Yeah. Um, that's just like that is that is so typical of of players player. in this hobby. Yeah. That you know, you look at that stuff, you put all of this, you put all these warning signs in front of them in in like in lore, in conversations mm-hmm. with NPCs, in literal like warning signs on the road. And they'll take it as like
1: they'll say, "Oh, you want to bet?" Yeah,
0: they'll take it as like the hook. When you're like, "No, it's not the hook. I like I want you to be interested in my world. I want you to know that there's stuff out there, but it's not time for you to go here yet." Um, and if you if you don't feel if you feel like it would break immersion to straight up tell your players that and that it's a bad idea for them to go there now that they're not ready, then it might be a good idea to have some sort of, like, Deus Ex ready to go that can pull them out of the fire if they do. Um, And I would say, like, you know, World of Warcraft is a good example of the type of You know, difficulty balancing, we're talking about, but it's not a great example of how to apply it in a pen and paper game because there's a video game, you know. What what happens when you die in World War
1: You have to run back to your body, which could be like a whole fucking hour, and then you spawn in, and then you're like, okay, time to get the fuck out of here. So then you just start running away, and then like, pray that you don't run into another enemy mm. before you get back to like a place where you can you know grab a vehicle and fly out of there or teleport or you know mm. what have you um, which like you know that's probably one of the largest reasons why I stopped playing World of Warcraft is because I kept stupidly being like challenge accepted mm-hmm. and then like oop well there goes my day It's like now I'm just going to spend the whole day trying to get out of this fucking place mm-hmm. Right, but like you can't really do that. Eh, well, I mean, most RPG or pen
0: and paper RPGs don't have like a respawn system. Most, but, yeah, most pen and paper games don't, and I would say probably don't implement such a thing. You know, like yeah. it works really well in a video game because it's designed around, you know, dying and respawning and trying things again. And in like the you know the Dark Souls series, it's part of the. It's part of the lore of the game that, like, you're one of these undead husks. And so when you die and wake up at a fire or a checkpoint or whatever, that's like, that's part of the game's lore and story. But that's usually not a thing built into your pen and paper
1: role playing. No, and if you do it once, you're probably gonna, like, you know, it sets the precedent for it. So then like then you're probably going to have to keep doing it and you know yeah. it can it can be
0: very disruptive so i feel like it would be. you want to give yourself some sort of like back pocket thing and I, a powerful npc is a good mm-hmm. a good one and not one that just like comes out of nowhere unless you know this is where you've chosen to introduce them but it's good yeah. to like set up the pc earlier mm-hmm. and then the players are like okay this doesn't feel unearned when they show up and like pull them Pull their asses out of the fire. I mean, personally,
1: my favorite is just they get one, like, oh, you're down to zero hit points, well, you pass out. Mm-hmm. And, like, whatever was attacking you, if it's like a thing, oh, it maybe laughs or, like, you know, takes a giant poo poo. And then, all right, so you got your one, it didn't kill you. Yeah. You should probably get out of
0: here. Yeah, know? now you're And all if they try up. it
1: again, then fuck them.
0: Yeah. Because then that's, you know, like, at some point you have to stick to the rules. You have to, the consistency, like we talked about a few yeah. episodes ago. What is the purview of the game master? What is the purview of the players? What is the purview of both of you is being consistent, sticking to the rules. And without consistency, it's not a believable thing. You know, we, we set aside our disbelief to pretend that this fantasy or sci-fi adventure is real for a little while. You have to maintain that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that can be difficult to do if you crank up the difficulty too hard and then feel like you have to stick with it. Mm-hmm. so you know things to be things to be conscious of, things to be wary of, things to not take lightly when you mm-hmm. when you look at your big dungeon or your campaign map and you're like, "This is how I'm going to organize it, consider. You know, what if they do something unexpected? Are you prepared to like pull them out of the shit and give them some sort of second chance? It'd be a real shame to do all that prep work and then have them die on their second session because mm-hmm. they were committed to doing something silly. On the other hand, though, what if they make it, right? Like the gambler's yeah, mindset, fine. Of like,
1: what if, right? So, like, that's why I would say that's just what a player would say and think that's yeah, the player, the gambling yeah. mindset of like. But what if I make it, though? Mm -hmm. Like, how great would that be? Right? So, like, you know, do, do, uh, it's not really advice, but, like, it's cool to have really hard challenges, so it's like, oh, well, you really shouldn't fuck with that until you're level 5, but then, like, the players are like, yeah, but we're level 3 and, like, really competent, so, like, really, let's fucking do it. Yeah. And then, like, then if they, like, do it, then they're like... Boom, we own the world, bitch. And then they go run off and die, of course. But, like, you know, taking down a over-leveled uh, enemy does feel good.
0: Yeah. It does feel good. And I would say, though, it feels better in a video game. Because video games are usually better about telling you, you know... Like this guy has such has so much health. Or like he hits you once, and you're like, "Oh shit, this guy's way too tough for me. I'm gonna die if he hits me again." That sort of thing. Like video games are a little better at telegraphing uh, difficulty in an area. You know, in a pen and paper game, guys don't have the little skull over their health <laughs> bar that gives players that clue.
1: Well, yeah, but like. If, if you're what you're player, saying, I understand
0: the principle of what you're saying. The reward like for guy, coming out on yeah. top when you
1: shouldn't have, like is, if this guy almost like, one shots you and you still take him down, you know what that means is you just didn't get hit more than once. That's and true. You know that's good because mm-hmm. you know it's already like he can hit me, and if yeah. he hits me again, I'm gonna die. Yeah. So I'm gonna go for it, and then you go for it, and you're like, fuck yeah. I think there's plenty
0: of signposting. Uh, there are, there. yeah, there are plenty of ways to do it, and to and to tell your players. And this can be a very cool way to organize it. And uh, before we move on, I want to go back to the beginning. At first, when we first described this, you know, level gating style of of balancing the difficulty of your campaign, uh, you talked about you talked about the idea of. You know, a dungeon master who's really got the bug a game master who really wants to like plan everything out Mm -hmm. I feel like that makes it sound like you're biting off more than you can chew but I think you can do it on a smaller scale you can have just like a dungeon where there are some areas that are you know you don't necessarily have to build the whole world to and you don't have to populate a whole world you can do this sort of like area level gating in a single dungeon and you can do the same sort of signposting and stuff it's just you you made it you made it sound like a real meal i don't doing do a whole like, like did, doing okay. a whole world
1: i mean like at yeah. once And it is it would be but anyway like yeah sure you could level you know um, level gate a dungeon mm-hmm that's no problem. Well, I
0: mean, areas within the dungeon. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The point was, you plan out that, yes. like, oh, this is going to be harder over here, and this is going to be harder over here. Yeah. All right, I would say that, like, level-gating a single dungeon, you know, some areas in a single dungeon, how, like, your players better level up really fucking quick. Because, yeah. like, if they're just in the dungeon the one time,
0: how are they going to... Well, maybe, you know, the dungeon's going to take a couple sessions, and they do level up really quick if you start at, like, level one.
1: Because, like, one of the things I absolutely hated about Fable, and, like, I've never gone back to confirm this, because, uh, you know, Fable came and went, and, like, I'm done with it. Someday there'll be a new one. But... They've been talking about it for ten years. In the first Fable, when you get to, like you know, the point where you can actually, like, go take a look at, like, the bounty board and shit. There was this super high-level, like, yetis in the ice zone, but you weren't at the ice zone yet. You were still, like, you know, fighting all the fucking the hobnobs or whatever they were called. Um, So, like, oh, I'm gonna go do that bounty. And then every time I got to where I think I was, like, powerful enough, like, at just that point in the game, like, it's no longer available. And I was always mad about that. I never got to do that mission because it was, like, you needed, like, a cheat code or something. And to be fair, I've never, like, gone back and confirmed this because I was very young when Fable first came out and I played it. And, you know, to be honest, it wasn't that great of a game, so I never went back to it. Like, it was was fun. I'm not trying to hate on Fable.
0: It got the job done. When I was in like middle school, or could whatever. you not like take the mission? Like in The Witcher, you can take a mission. You You can like take the piece of paper off the battle board, it. and then it's in your mission index. But it'll say what level it is. You couldn't take it, and then you have to wait until you're higher. You take level it because you didn't have enough renown. Ah, so it's just so, so you you it's just, just to there to, to tease up. you. Yes, mm.
1: and I hated it. Yeah, right. Like that's what their thing. It was renown, so you needed to have enough renown to take the mission. But every time I got enough renown to go do it, it's gone, and
0: it pissed me off. I never played Fable, but uh, over over this last winter, over the twenty over the twenty one twenty two winter, my brother Enzo ran Dungeons and Dragons for us, and he teased this yeah, like the the he, warlock script. He, he teased this warlock script all over exciting it. mega dungeon. He's like, oh, that's the Warlock's Crypt. It's got something to do with vampires, and there's a mystery in it, and it's a big, scary dungeon. And I don't know if you guys are ready for it, but he didn't say it was like off level, like it was off limits to level. He just said, you know, like we can't do it right now because we're in the middle of a session. But he was running a sort of, he was running a sort of loosey goosey session where not everyone showed up for every session, so we could just tell him what we wanted to do and we we, we were like we want to go to the warlock's crypt, we want to do this dungeon and we never got to go and it now that he's, you know, back in Alaska back to work it feels like a big old tease.
1: Yeah. So if you're, you know, making a dungeon, a mega dungeon with areas that are overpowered Make sure your players have enough time to get to that power. Otherwise, it's just the tease, and nobody likes a tease. Yeah. Well, some people like a tease. Yeah. Some sickos. Sickos. <laughs> just kidding. Whatever your kink is, no kink shame. Yeah. You know I
0: mean? No kink shaming. No yuck and yums. No yuck and yums over here. But uh, yeah. So let's right. let's move on to this next so, one. So
1: wrapping it together. Darkest Dungeon. Mm-hmm. So the way
0: they did their stuff. Um, and these are all, I would say... So of all these video games, I most highly recommend Darkest Dungeon. I never played Warcraft. Skyrim's pretty fun. But uh, Darkest Dungeon is current and just really fucking cool. Yeah. Well, so Darkest Dungeon 2 is now out, or...
1: In limited release or something like that. Early access. Early access. Yeah. So
0: they are, you know, you can play parts of it, Mm -hmm. but they're still building the game.
1: Darkest Dungeon 2 is extremely
0: different Mm -hmm. than uh, what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about the 2014 release or something. Whatever. Darkest Darkest Dungeon. 2014 Red Hook Studios. Darkest Dungeon 1. Yeah.
1: Um, So how that went is for people who are not playing it like idiots uh idiots you take parties of adventurers into dungeons uh the dungeons there's like four and then like five different zones there's there's four zones and then a final zone yes um and each in each zone you know the enemies differ Mm -hmm. right like that's what the difference is but uh there's also uh levels of dungeons right you know there's uh, I forget exactly what they call them. Uh, veteran dungeons. Uh, yeah, and apprentice, like, you know, veteran, yeah, and, and apprentice, champion dungeons. Yes. So those are the recommended levels. Yeah. You know, a veteran dungeon, you should probably take characters who have reached veteran level. Yeah. Or else you're going to have a really bad day. But you can take, you know, apprentice level characters into that dungeon. Yeah. And,
0: you know, just roll the dice. Yeah. Yeah and they're going to have a hard time. But why why this is on our outline as far as like difficulty and balancing, ways that you can implement difficulty and balancing into your campaign and your adventures is because there's so it's various varying levels of difficulty. You can at any point try any of it and it'll just like it'll tell you, you know, this is dangerous, this is hard. The the math heavily pushes you towards sticking to your stuff but you know if you have like the right trinkets or if you're just feeling lucky well, whatever there's the know. gamble the player's gambler spirit right. of like but what if though and like what if and darkest dungeon really does that it, it like it sticks hard to its randomly generated results and it will kill your party if that's what and it will not feel bad about yeah it. it doesn't feel bad about it at all which you know that's that's kind of what I liked about it. It's it's a little masochistic, but almost well, certainly.
1: Anyway, but anyways, it tells, tells you, you. It tells something... you very
0: clearly. And then if you beat something that's you know harder, the the payoff is huge. You're you're but not not game break right. It's big where like you get a bunch of extra
1: XP and you right. get a bunch of you know good well maybe good loot like you know. You get a bunch of money, but you also could have got like some choice,
0: uh, you know, curio items, yeah. uh, trinkets, and you can um, if you if you take if you take a group of like level ones and zeros into a veteran dungeon, they're gonna have a really hard time. But if you get them out, they're gonna just they're gonna rock it up a couple levels. Yeah, you You're gonna speed level, you know, and it's a way that you can like you can speed level. Uh, you can speed level, like, one or two characters, too. If you, mm-hmm. you know, mix your party with a couple veterans to hold shit together and a couple novices to maybe just, like, you know, pop healing or whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to gain the benefit of, you know, anyway. Point is, varying difficulty that is clearly telegraphed with risk and reward directly tied together. When you risk more difficult things you gain increased rewards. Mm-hmm. And that maybe so it's like um
1: fuck what's the what's the the board game? Um
0: Yahtzee. Nope. It's uh, not ahead. even a board game. <laughs> it's just dice. Um
1: Gloom Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven Is that the one I think of? I mean Gloomhaven's a game certainly. That's the one like you can change the
0: level of the enemies, right? Oh, by their, like, rotation? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gloomhaven, yeah, so there's the card. So there's the enemy, like, tokens on the board, mm-hmm. but then there's a card that says their movement and their, like, yeah. attack value and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you can turn the card to, like... Be like,
1: oh, we're going to fight This the... one's level
0: two, this yeah. one's, like, a veteran, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, the, the risk versus reward is clearly spelled out. If you're, you know, if you crank the difficulty up, you're probably gonna die, mm-hmm. or some of you are probably. But if gonna die. you don't die, but who survives is oh, gonna really mommy. cash in on XP and loot. Yeah. And that's the that, that can be very fun. So,
1: so if if you're doing um, a session or whatever, and or a campaign, or you know you're in your one one mega dungeon with you know some level gated areas. If the players challenge, which they probably will, because let's just be honest, they're always going to challenge. Uh, some extra stuff, some extra, uh, you know, backsheesh should uh, be coming their way. Uh, whether that be like, oh, here's a sexy sword, or you know, just extra gold and XP or whatever. Um, you know, caveat there, being you know, careful not to yeah careful over to... over loot or, you know, give them overpowered stuff um, that make the rest of your mega dungeon or campaign or whatever um, easy, right? If you're going to do that, you know, oh, this stuff is hard over here, this stuff is easier over here, if they just go straight to the hard stuff, get a lucky dice roll, and then everything else is, like, trivial, uh, maybe that's not so good. Or maybe it's not. Maybe your player's really pog.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I would say, um, I so we we both were like caveat. Don't let them over level, or don't not over level, but you know don't don't give them a thing that just like breaks the game. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think that's like that's the sweet spot. You don't want them to break the game, but I think loot items and stuff like that. That's kind of the way to do it you telegraph the difficulty of something and be like oh such this like magical sword was lost and the guardian is whatever it'd be really cool if you guys went and got it and they might be like yeah it'd be awesome if we you know pulled that off and there is this like you plant the idea of reward with tangible you know physical items things that Things that like feel great for them to get, uh, and that's probably a whole nother episode. Now we, we we say this. What about looting? Well, yeah, about like designing good design for your like loot items and magic items, because I think that's kind of the key to this sort of system. Is like how are you going to reward them? Because if you just reward them with like XP in a in a typical D and D way, then you know they just they just level up and then the next thing they do it it, it becomes flat like the skyrim not one not you necessarily
1: know? what if like you know the, the sh- they're really invested in the story they got to save the world that's true so like I leveling guess. up and saving more of the
0: world they're yeah that's, they're closely tied together i guess uh yeah loot is not the only way to motivate your players or to telegraph. Um and a party that is It does make a fine reward though, like Yeah. But a party that's like straight to the fully dope. invested in your world and the, the narrative that you've presented them That's that's maybe more the sweet spot. If they just if they're just into it, they're 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 spooning it up, they fucking love it. That's the best way. And then you say like, oh, there's a really hard <laughs> thing over here. And And then they're like, yeah, okay. And
1: I can't quite form the joke, but, like, there's a hilarious joke about how that's, like, unobtainable and then, like, something... I don't know. Well, but I can't can't formulate it. Probably had to do with, like, the clitoris.
0: Uh, Oh, like, yeah, hard to find? Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah, as television would have you believe. (laughs) Impossible to find. Um, Or, uh... (laughs) Uh, no, we're all right. we're getting off track. I
1: was about to you know don't want to get Ben Shapiro mad at me.
0: <laughs> uh, that's fine. Our lawyers can't take that. We have nothing for him to take from us
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah, so yeah, uh, the harder um monsters and stuff are the more reward there should be
0: yeah um and that maybe that sounds obviously so like oh that's the same as everything that's just like scales of difficulty the the critical difference in this sort of darkest dungeon video game model is that there is a scale from your players to pick from based on you know how lucky they feel and their level of preparation and the risk needs to be kind of like clearly spelled out. And you're probably not going to put like a, you know, a difficulty measure on the notice board. Oh, this it's not going to say skulls. like, yeah, this is three skulls of difficulty out of five. So you're like, okay, yeah, we're a three skull party. <laughs> maybe actually, maybe, I don't know. Every maybe time you I say that. like, mm, you're probably not going to do it. I'm like, actually, there's probably a fantasy world where such that, such yeah. as that exists exactly. Uh, I don't know. But maybe uh, a more believable way to do it is like the reward being offered. And that's how you directly tie yeah. difficulty to reward.
1: Mm-hmm. If
0: it's, uh, you know, it's worth however much coin and then this other notice is worth twice as much coin, I feel like without even thinking, a player party will equate that to difficulty.
1: Yeah, um, this one's more work.
0: Yeah. This one's more work, more money. And then they'll probably gravitate towards the stuff with more money. <laughs> but they'll more. ask but they'll ask interesting questions. They'll be like, "Okay, so this is 1500 coin. That'd be enough for all of us to, you know, like go nuts for a weekend." But what does it involve? And then they talk to the quest giver. And then in talking to the quest giver, maybe like that sets off some
1: ideas in their
0: head. And then they start thinking about like, okay, so if this is what's required, what are some like clever role-playing things that I could do to get around it? What if I like went to a shop first and got these supplies because I've got a plan. Yeah. Potion seller. They visit the potion cellar. Potion cellar. I'm going into battle. And <laughs> <laughs> I require your strongest potions. That's a deep cut. <laughs> From the early YouTube. Uh, Alright. But yeah. So,
1: let's uh, let's just touch on Westmarch's... Uh, what is... Yeah.
0: Bringing home. So, uh, the Westmarch's campaign structure is a style of running a campaign... Where in the dungeon master preps sort of like an overland map um, and then the players have access to it and it requires buy in on the part of the players to, you know, look at what is available. And then hmm. you don't play until your players say, like, we want to do this and your players will be like, we want to go to this part of the map and try this, what's over here? And then you say, oh, over here, that's this town and they have a problem uh, with such and such and there's a dungeon in these woods next door. And the players say, okay, that's what we wanna do next. And then that gives the game master a week to prep it and they go do it. And it allows you to run a campaign where um, not everyone always needs to be there. Like two characters can say we want to go to this dungeon, and everyone else is like, "Oh, I can't make it next week." And you're like, "Okay." They went to the dungeon. When everyone comes back together, they've been to a dungeon. The other characters have not. But you can also like talk to them separately and be like, "What were you doing in the meantime?" It's a way to. Uh, it's a way to. Run your campaign so the players are directing it. And there's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of, like, sandbox freedom built into the idea.
1: Where you can do whatever you want. Here's the big map. You know, it's like the stuff we were talking about before. If you're planning out, you know, this whole big campaign and you want to make it like a sandbox, you're probably going to use some Westmarch's style thing, right? If you have some mystical player group that, like, always is able to meet every time... uh,
0: Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck um, you. You can still do this. I've you... been developing a tremendous sense of envy and just like <laughs> malcontent about ideal. And yeah. we don't have a bad group. Like no, I like I like players. the people we're playing with and I, I just like we I want to play more and more frequently. And it's not always other people's fault, sometimes we're busy. It's your fault. It. I mean uh it's our fault. <laughs>
1: um
0: But yeah. So you don't have to
1: have a rotating, you know, group of players to do a West uh, Marches style. You can do West Marches with players who show up
0: every time,
1: um, but, but
0: it's just the players choose where they go. The players choose where they, they go, and then right? there's usually some sort of like overland sandbox. So, with that in mind let's briefly run through these all again. So there's well, the... Yeah, so like the just the theories of balancing, right? Yeah. Like is everywhere on the map you going have, to be balanced to the player? Yeah, you have a sandbox. Probably there's like a central town where your players are and they like go out from there to do adventures and they probably come back or, you know, stop other places. You can do it Skyrim style or, you know, legal d d encounter design style where whatever the player's level is... Whatever they are, you know, whatever their capabilities are, that is the baseline that you build difficulty around, and you always adjust for that. There's the World of Warcraft style, where regions and specific locations are strictly level-gated. They're difficulty-gated.
1: And not necessarily strictly-strictly, but just like, oh, you want to go west? Well there's tougher
0: enemies west. Yeah. And you say, uh, okay, um, we do want to go west. We want to, you know, push it. And then there is uh, the darkest dungeon sort of variable level. Where... Really,
1: the only difference between Darkest Dungeon and the like World of Warcraft level game, um is Darkest Dungeon is upfront about it.
0: Yeah, is it right? like it tells you? It tells you immediately. And so this would be like that jokey. Like skull. Oh,
1: this is it's three. This dungeon three skulls. Yeah, I don't know if you can
0: handle three skulls. But you put that on the map, or you put that on the notice board for bounties in the town, and maybe you don't do skulls, but you do payment. Like, what is the payment? And players know instinctively to equate levels of payment with levels of difficulty. And all three of those things are. Perfectly viable ways to take your little sandbox map, your the the map for your campaign, and apply you know a balance of difficulty to it.
1: If you if you do have revolving players though, like the thing I always wonder about, because like D and D also has this in like the math for like challenge rating and stuff, is like parties of different levels. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, I have three level threes and two level fives. And then, like, you know, you plug that into the calculator and it spits out a number. But, like, you know, how do you, like, balance a whole thing? Like, if you're doing the the uh, level gating, right? What if just one person shows up every time and then, you know, they're fucking way overpowered, especially compared to like their other party. And then, like, you know, oh, well, let's go over here because everything else is too easy for me. Yeah. But then, like, the other players are like, yeah, you're the only one who's going to come out of there alive. So, like, you know, that's just something... It's it's tricky, and if you're I... You're doing like, yeah,
0: XP fine. and levels and that kind of stuff. That's the thing you need to watch out for. That's I, don't, weird. I don't have a great answer for that, but... It is a... It is a potential problem. We also are talking about, like, difficulty in balancing. We're using terms like level and, you know, challenge rating. We're using those of things. But those only apply to games that have that. Well, and, I think our know,
1: listeners are smart enough to right.
0: be like, oh, yeah, it could be the quality of the gear you have. Right. That could count as that, the level. That could be more the level in a, in a game that doesn't have as strict of a level system or, mm. you know. Uh, games that don't have... So much of the same DNA as video games in terms of like progression and that that sort of measurement. I don't know, like you 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 might have to think more critically than just a challenge rating number. And I feel like that was kind of implied from the get go because who fucking knows how to use the challenge rating system even. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, somebody does probably. So well, someone
0: who wrote it, or maybe three different people wrote it, and they just like were like, I don't know, uh, print it.
1: It seems pretty functional for that, but <laughs> like they just got real. If that was the case, they got really lucky. Yeah. Because it's withstood. When did Five E come
0: out? Two thousand like fifteen, I think, or yeah. 14. So the current
1: challenge ratings have withstood like. Eight years. Yeah. Six years. Well, math?
0: Yeah. But I I, I think they might have weathered scrutiny because nobody uses them very much. You know, like nobody strictly adheres to them. And I think, well, honestly, I I have no idea because I've never dissected the math. It might be super sound and just like a little inaccessible, or it might be a broken mess. Um. What do you mean? We're getting we're getting too off.
1: Uh. We're focusing in on the challenge rating. So. Mm. Um. Anything more to say
0: about? No, I think balancing uh, and difficulty. I think that about does it. We talked about a different. We talked about a handful of different ways. We talked about the idea, just conceptually, of difficulty and balancing, and some different ways you can apply it, and then what it might look like. In the, in the pen and paper space. This is a little less, as we said in the beginning, a little less actionable, a little less like specifically tips and tricks. This was mostly just a conversation on different ideas. and Yeah, you idiots. It's a fucking conversation. How they might, uh, how they might help you prep all that session prep stuff we talked about for the last couple episodes. Don't forget about this part.
1: Or forget about it. Who cares, right? <laughs> um, we just thought it was interesting, Yeah, right? we you thought know? it was
0: interesting. We wanted to talk about it, and it's our show, so that's our prerogative, and you can't stop us. Literally, no one can stop me. Legally, though, you might be able to stop us if you're like, you know, Ben Shapiro or whatever, but like, you know. I don't think so. Like, wouldn't, we haven't <laughs> yeah. done anything.
1: Yeah, but like, you know, Uh
0: we don't have a lot of money. So, that's, like, that's they true. could bury us. Yeah, just, like, with a paralyzing lawsuit that we can't afford to fight. Yeah, just but like, then,
1: then like, they bury us and we become martyrs because everyone fucking hates Ben Shapiro. And then, boom, we rise back stronger and
0: better and yeah.
1: actually start making
0: money. That'd be good. Yeah, so come at us, you wiener. You <laughs> miniature, you fucking shrimp. You fucking <laughs> shrimp. Okay, uh... <laughs> thank you for joining us for this episode of two-headed game master which has been a meandering uh not a mess i would say but it got a little messy at well, the like, end thank you for thank you, you for acknowledging sticking around.
1: It, people are gonna start to believe
0: it right yeah so, like it wasn't a mess it was a great episode you guys all had fun mm-hmm. we had fun it was there was astute observations and lots of like critical thought and compelling discussion about the concept of difficulty as it pertains to role-playing games. Uh, Check out 2HGM.com if you want to see more of our stuff. we got a bunch of free products on there. Uh, A free basic role-playing system, the Eclipse Engine. Content for that. um, Some other little games, little worksheets, all kinds of just fun role-playing stuff going on over there. Uh, we also have a Patreon and a Twitter link. Follow us on Twitter to know our stuff and join us on Patreon to give us money. And you get to be part of the Discord. There's perks there. It's not just one-way transactions. Yeah.
1: Uh, anyways, join us next time for another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Mm-hmm.
0: Real quick, uh, just as usual, we're adding this to the, to the bumper at the end. We are hard at work on our first original full-length role-playing product. Uh, Afterlife, a game of post-apocalyptic adventure, and we'll just say it's coming along. We've got some art back, it's looking really cool, and uh, the the main, the core of the writing of the game is essentially done. So, look out for that, around Halloween-November time frame we're looking at, and it should be pretty cool.
1: Goddamn right it is. You're yeah, goddamn right.
0: Thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of their song, Pond Hillo's Finest, as the intro and outro to our show. And we'll see you next time.
1: See you next time.